G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, one of the aspirations that we all have is to be better communicators, whether it's as a parent with our children or in our business pursuits, in church life or influence in our communities. Paul Scanlon is joining us. He believes people are the best idea God ever had. And he believes that everyone has a huge and untapped potential to discover and release. So what is it that shapes you and I to become better communicators and better leaders? Well, Paul Scanlon has been growing people for the past 30 years. These days, he travels the world teaching what he calls the communication masterclasses and servant leadership. He's coming to Australia in October and he's joining us now. Hello, Paul Scanlon. Welcome back to 2020. Neil, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Paul. Uh, You've been very busy in the lead-up to your visit to Australia, speaking at some very large and very influential churches around the world. This issue of servant leadership, Paul, what does servant leadership look like when you describe it? Well, I think what's happening around the world, Neil, uh, I'm in America at the moment, and I think Donald Trump, President Trump's election, and what's happened in Europe, we as, we as the British have left Europe, the whole Brexit uh, episode. Um, I think those two things, for a start, are evidence to me that massive uh, movements of people are in kind of um, revolt against established forms of leadership that they don't feel serve them. I certainly think we feel that with Brexit, and I certainly think America and the grassroots of America feel that they have no longer got confidence that the standard, often elite politician, they feel served them. So they took a chance on a guy that they kind of felt was more in their shoes, a businessman that would bring back jobs and so on to America. So I think these massive uh, uprisings, as it were, I mean, to go back to the Arab Spring of uh, 2011, even the economic crash of 2008, all of these things in the financial, political world to me, speak of we feel we have leadership, but we don't feel served by these leaderships. And even the troubles in Syria now, as you know, are a continuation from what began in 2011 in Syria, where the Syrians decided to try to overthrow Assad because they feel led but not served. So to me, it's an idea whose time has come, Neil, come at it from lots of angles. And I think also, the church, we have to lift our game. I don't think just because we are Christians that we necessarily have cornered the market on servant leadership. So I think we have to talk about it. I think it's uh, an issue all around the world in all walks of life. And so this is a new event I'm doing around the world. My first time I'm doing it in Australia. I'm very excited to come and speak to Australia about that. And, of course, there have been ebbs and flows throughout the last 2,000 years. And when we talk about servant leadership, that takes me back to an understanding of Jesus Christ, his servanthood, and what that means to be a servant leader under his leadership. How do you describe the Christian link to how leadership ought to look? Well, I think Jesus is the epitome, Neil, of 
servant leadership. Unfortunately, many of the contexts I speak in, they would have no uh, respect for that example. So I have many others that I start from, as I just did with you earlier, with the political scene around the world. But of course, because of my background and my faith and my uh, love of God, of course, Jesus is my ultimate example of servant leadership. But there are many others, Martin Luther King, Mother uh, Teresa, Nelson Mandela, would all be more contemporary uh, models of what I would call servant leadership. People that were servants first and leaders second. And in, in the case of certainly uh, Martin Luther King and Mother Teresa, they had no external power. They had no positional power. They simply had massive influence with the people from service. And service, that's my point, service creates its own influence and its own authority, which is given to you by the people you serve rather than conferred on you by the hierarchy above you. And in my servant leadership seminar, I talk quite a bit about the different kinds of power that are involved in the world globally, uh, much of which are contributing to the decline of servant leadership uh, at all levels. So we feel led, but we don't feel served. And of course, Jesus is the ultimate example of what we are talking about. Yeah. I imagine that as we become a little more successful in that traditional sense that we might think about business or climbing a corporate ladder, we expect that in our leadership there will be those who are under our care or our influence who are serving us. Uh, But there is a big question here, Paul. Why be a servant if there are others who might serve you under the, the sort of servanthood that you think of when you think of leaders and servants? Yes, I think, I think you don't have to step far back to look at the world and realize that throughout history, um, servants have made the world go around at, at every level of life. I know we first spot it often as leadership. I think of Joseph in Scripture that was a, a brilliant servant leader, but his leadership came second and at the, at the end of a very difficult, tragic period of his life. But as we know, in prison, when he was there through no fault of his own, Um, He prospered and flourished because he served the other people in the jail. He served the people that he had no responsibility to serve. He clearly had a heart and a love for people, and he served people interpreting dreams for them. And ultimately, it was his servanthood that got him into a leadership position. So I think throughout history, there's these great examples of servants that became leaders, which is what I'm trying to bring our focus back onto in my seminar. And I think also the millennial generation, I don't think are a naturally serving generation, Neil. I think the baby boomers, my generation, were. But I think the kids coming through now are not, and they have more of an entitlement mentality. And that's generally true. There are exceptions. But I think what the kids are saying to us, in my experience, is they want to serve in direct proportion to the way in which they feel leaders are serving them. And 70% of millennials interviewed recently said that they left their job, not because they left their sphere of interest or work, but they quit their boss, not their job, because they felt their boss was more Wolf of Wall Street type, cigar-chomping, macho, uh, power-order-barking kind of person, rather than a person that would be more like, I would say, Richard Branson, that typifies more what I would call servant leadership. So there's an interesting move amongst the emerging generation, some of the millennials, that I think are saying in their own way, we we want to serve where we feel our own potential is being served. 
But when you make that assessment about this emerging generation of young people, isn't it because they're lacking the role models of what a servant leader does if they themselves are not looking to be the servant leaders themselves? Yes, absolutely. I, I think they do lack role models, Neil, and, and I think part of my mandate and my job is to point out role models of all kinds. Of course, Jesus is an obvious one uh, for us in our faith and in the church, but would not be an obvious one for me to choose, say, in a European context where 98% of the population don't go to church and are quite anti-church. And so we are served well by other examples, the names I've mentioned earlier, uh, but we need more contemporary ones. And the truth is that there are millions of servants at all kinds of levels of society, most of them we'll never know anything about. And we need to celebrate ordinary servanthood in our communities, you know, faith-based charities, uh, not-for-profits, where people are literally laying their lives down for the benefit of their communities. These are the unsung heroes, but because they're not in charge or they're not high-profile, we are less aware of them, and we're more aware of the ones that are in charge that often are poor examples. Paul, if we want to find a way that we can break through and be a servant leader, you mentioned uh, the likes of Martin Luther King Jr. and you mentioned Mm. Mother Teresa. And, of course, we started out talking about Jesus Christ, the ultimate servant leader. But are we best taught about servant leadership by actually looking at personalities and stories and seeing how people have done things and reading the biographies of servant leaders rather than just look at a set of dot points and say, this is how you do it. Yes, I think so. I mean, I'm a big uh, lover of that kind of reading, uh, as I know many of the listeners are. And again, I think we need to be encouraging the emerging generation to connect with history, to know that they don't need to reinvent the wheel, that there are role models in history, there are role models all around us in society, and I think reading the narrative uh, that, that is throughout history of servanthood and where servanthood, going back, as I mentioned, uh, to Joseph, the servanthood throughout history in Scripture and in other kinds of literature and publications and writings is fascinating to me. But I do think what's happening in our current 21st century world, these mass people revolutions around the world, Um, are telling us that there is a vacuum of role models. And so it is our time, I think, to use this language again, though the language itself would not be popular perhaps or would seem to sound like someone is being oppressed. Even the word servant itself is a very unpopular word. It sounds like Downton Abbey, someone up and someone down, like a class system. So the word servant itself needs redeeming. We're talking servant leadership, and Paul Scanlon, our guest, he's been growing people for this past 30 years. He's coming to Australia. A couple of dates to look out for. The 10th of October, that's a Tuesday, a servant leadership seminar in Melbourne in the evening at Bridge Church. Then on the 12th, which is a Thursday in October, the 12th of October, Communication Masterclass, that seminar in Sydney all day at the Ridges, North Sydney. And we'll talk some more about servant leadership in just a few moments. A wonderful opportunity today to be talking about leadership and a special sort of leadership called servant leadership. Paul Scanlon is our guest. He's preparing to come to Australia to address Australian audiences on this issue and on communication. 
Uh, Paul, let me just put a little bit of a challenge to you here. In our first segment, we started talking about Jesus Christ, the ultimate servant leader. And that's all right when we're talking with Christians as we are today. But a lot of our listeners, their context isn't in the way that they're talking uh, to Christians and being leaders of Christians. They're in the workplace. Let's talk about how you communicate these leadership ways to influence people without talking about Scripture. Let me just ask you, how do you do that? Well, it's a good question. And of course, my own backyard, the UK and Europe, is 98% unchurched. And so I've had to find a way to talk about everything I talk about, actually, communication and this servant leadership event, without uh, relying on and defaulting to speaking about Jesus as the prime example of that, because you and I both know he is, but there is no loyalty, there's no Bible loyalty, no Bible tradition, and uh, no appreciation of Jesus as an example of that. He is to me, but not to them. So I found a way to speak to them about people like Nelson Mandela that has and had global respect for his leadership, but perhaps no one used the language about it of servant leadership, which it clearly was. And he was a great example because he was a servant for decades before he became a leader. Or Mother Teresa, we could speak about, or Martin Luther King. These more contemporary examples that would be more widespread accepted uh, to mention in a non-church culture do the job just as well to make the point that there are these outstanding individuals in history. Of course, what they don't help us uh, figure out is that there are millions of anonymous people that have the same kind of heart as those people I'm mentioning that are in all our communities, the unsung heroes of all our communities that serve endlessly their communities and lay their lives down in the same way these people did, but they're just not known and famous. And I'm hoping through the emphasis and focus on servant leadership, we will hopefully have a, a new radar to spot people in our organizations, in our corporates, in our communities that are actually servants, and we elevate and celebrate and give honor and respect to that afresh in a way that perhaps we haven't for a long time because we've been so obsessed with leadership and external forms of power that we've forgotten it's all about servanthood. So if we understand ourselves what the servanthood model of leadership is, when we look at our Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate servant leader, then we're able to actually identify what those traits are, what those characteristics are in individuals, and we then become the ones that promote those virtues of leadership. Yes, Exactly. And I think Jesus spending 30 years in total anonymity, where he clearly, it, the Bible tells us, grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and people. I think in that anonymity, he is, he is fine-tuning his, his empathy, his compassion. He's immersing himself in humanity, off and below the radar, before he comes three years publicly, when he was in massive demand and had massive challenges a massive crowd management problems and probably didn't sleep many times and was just run ragged with the demands of the crowd and, and the disciples. But he had already spent those years in servanthood in his community. And so for him to then become a servant to the people publicly was not something he was trying to bolt on to some external power position. It was organically in him. It was in his DNA, in his heart, 
to be a serpent. Of course, he ultimately came to lay his life down for humanity. So we, we know that was the conclusion of that. But the people at the time didn't know that was going to happen. They just knew that amongst them they had someone that was not stuck up and clinical and disinfected from them, which was the Pharisees and the church they had built, but someone that lived his life from an in-their-shoes approach to God. And he became, as we know, God in the flesh and uh, served them. His whole life was given to serving them. And so he is our greatest example. Um, and, but I don't think sometimes we appreciate the three years ministry leadership quotes was built on 30 years of servanthood in anonymity. Paul, there's lots of avenues that we can go down here when we talk about servant leadership and when we're talking about improving our communication skills because we want to press on to success, but there are different ways of looking at success. How do you view success through the eyes of a servant leader and by someone who wants to see communication skills on the rise so that Christian believers can, in fact, be successful in what they put their hand to. What do you think about success? Well, I think success is achieving your full potential. I think success is is getting out what God put in you. I think success is feeling that you are that you lived full but you died empty. I think success is feeling that you figured out as early on in life as possible why you are on the planet and then spending your days becoming the best version of that and the best give it away of that, that you possibly can be. And I think success for me is to, much more to do with a sense of personal um, fulfillment, a sense of personal completion, that we did what we came to the planet to do, that we discovered our giftings, that we served with our giftings, humanity, and we achieved our potential as far as was possible. I think that is how I would Uh, define success. I wouldn't at first think at all, as many people would, as you know, about success being measured by external things, about, you know, material things or wealth or things that you have or materialism or power or position. Um, Some people measure it that way. Much of the world does, as we know. Uh, My measure for, for it would not be that at all, nor would it be, of course, a biblical measure of success. And of course, we aren't talking here just about mechanical things either. When you talk about communication, and we've had a great conversation about communication uh, in a past time, but when we think about being a Christian and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit and the way we communicate, the purpose that we have in communicating, what difference does it make that we understand that we're actually working in partnership with God as we work towards success, as we are serving in a leadership role, as we are looking to improve our communication? Well, the difference it makes to me, Neil, and I think the difference it should make to the church, if not to humanity, is that we are serving an eternal purpose. We are not serving something temporal. What we are serving was here before we arrived, and it will be here long after we have gone, this global, um, timeless purpose of God in the earth. None of us know when the final generation is going to be, though we've come through seasons where people have forecast this is when Jesus is going to return, but we're all still here. And I think knowing that we are serving a massive purpose of God in our generation means that we should be serving with legacy in mind. We should be serving with 
the generation coming up behind us in mind, and we should be doing things now in terms of decisions we are making that are paving the way for them, that are serving them and helping them get a head start in life that maybe no one ahead of us uh, handed to us. So I think, to me, knowing that I'm involved and engaged in something uh, that is God's idea for humanity, that is the gospel, that is God's love and purpose for the planet, means that I couldn't be serving a higher cause to me. The church is serving the highest cause in the world, and the church is, in my opinion, the greatest expression of servant leadership in the world, or we should be. Much of the church is, has got a huge fail on that to me around the world, which is why Europe is in the state that we are in in terms of uh, interest in the church. We have failed to serve our communities, and instead we have waved a judgmental figure, finger at them, and we've sectioned ourselves off in our, I think, ivory towers of holiness and righteousness, and we have not reached out to the world with a large inclusive heart of love to serve our communities and i think we are suffering from that now all across europe paul you're coming to australia you talk to some very large audiences around the world when you've got people coming to see you in melbourne uh, you'll be at the bridge church the 10th of october then on the 12th of October, you'll be doing a communications masterclass in Sydney at Ridges in North Sydney. What are people taking away from the seminars? What are they taking from understanding the things that you've spoken to them about, servant leadership and communication, in application into their world? What sort of feedback do you get? I think well, I get amazing feedback from people um, that come to the, the seminars. I think that I think the takeaway from the servant leadership seminar is that i honestly want to it's a call to arms almost for me it's a call to join this global revolution that i mentioned earlier that i think is typified by american politics and typified by brexit and typified by um the crash of 2008 and typified by the arab spring and typified by the recent elections in france I think I'm asking people to, to, to jump on board and start wherever you can with servant leadership. Um, and I wanted to lead that seminar and to think service, not think leadership, to think where can I help, to think whose shoes can I be in today, who can I help, who can I connect with, who can I serve, who can I be helpful to, to start there, however small it may be. I also want to have them leave the servant leadership seminar saying, I will not buy from, and I will not vote for, and I will not partner with or support anyone that is leading but are not servants in their leadership. I think unless we have some kind of removing of our services and our support and finances and help from organizations, including churches, where we feel they're all about themselves and not about people, I think the revolution would be weaker if we don't have that kind of strength in it too. So I'm also coming to start a revolution. <laughs> and that servant leadership needs to be contagious and certainly yes, within Christian exactly. churches. And for leaders yes. serving, then they'll be raising up other leaders who also serve. I think so, Neil. And I think we've made the mistake of looking for leaders instead of looking for servants. I think we're looking for leadership and we're looking for the wrong things because a lot of, th a lot of people can... Can, can blind us with their confidence, 
and their eloquence and their giftedness. And because often churches are so desperate for gifted people, we're too quick to promote people into positions publicly. But then we only find out they're not team players. They're not emotionally stable. They don't love people. They begrudge coming early and staying late. They don't have interest in people. Uh, And so, but it's too late then. It becomes a complication then. So I said to leaders around the world in churches, Look for servants. There you'll find your leadership. Paul Scanlon is coming to Australia. A couple of dates to draw attention to. Tuesday the 10th of October, the Servant Leadership Seminar in Melbourne at Bridge Church. And on Thursday the 12th of October, the Communications Masterclass Seminar in Sydney all day at Ridges North Sydney. Then there's a number of dates to pay attention to in the following week in Perth. The website to go to get to the dates is paulscanlon.com. You can go to paulscanlon.com for the dates for his Australian visit. Paul, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us on 2020. Welcome. Thanks for the time and thanks for talking. Great to hear from you, Neil. Thanks so much. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.